Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Chris Lopez, and we're going to be speaking about preparing your practice for an associate doctor on the OI show. Well, thank you for joining us for the OI show. Today, we're joined by Dr. Chris Lopez. It's awesome to have you, Chris, on the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks a lot for the invitation, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Chris, um, you, uh, I, I've gotten to know you through the internet, uh, which is, uh, which is a scary place to meet people, but, uh, <laughs> you've, uh, you've impressed me with, uh, your writing and the work that you've done. Why don't you share with people who don't know who I I'm sure most people do a little bit about you and in practice, but also what you're doing in the, uh, the internet of things. I'm from Southern California. I'm uh, practicing in Wisconsin. Now I did undergrad in Iowa. So I've been through the cold before moving to Wisconsin, and uh, I went to the best optometry school in the country. Dave, any guesses on, on where that might be? Um, yeah, I have no clue. Maybe yeah, Houston. Yeah, good answer. So uh, Houston, and then it was on the East Coast for a little bit. Pandemic hit, really, and then my wife wanted to be closer to the family. She's the boss. Here we are, yep. and, uh, and and it's been going well. So uh, clinically, I'm at a private practice uh, three days a week. And small town uh, optometry, it's everything except the big surgeries we're taking care of. You know, yeah. Earlier today, there's, you know, uh, strabismus and amblyopia and then a uh, retinal detachment and an ulcer, all that fun stuff we get to, uh, to see in, in, in rural America. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's going really well. And apart from the clinic stuff, I am part of the ODs on finance team. And so if you uh, are, if any of the listeners are unfamiliar, the ODs on finance Facebook group is totally free to join. We have a great website with a ton of resources. It was started by Dr. Aaron Newfield and Dr. Dat Bowie, who just realized that uh, money is a taboo topic. We don't talk about this stuff and we should be talking about it. So they essentially uh, started a Facebook forum where, where our, uh, our optometric colleagues can just talk about money openly uh, in a, a secure environment. So it's them two and Dr. Julie Fan, who does a lot of the marketing uh, deals, promotions, and uh, and all the graphic design, everything that looks pretty. It's because of Julie, and I'm more of the career side. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of contract reviews, negotiations for associates, and more recently, a lot of helping employers work through compensation and what are new grads looking for, uh, what should I put in a contract and, and helping with the job placement kind of thing. So I do a lot of the, the career side of it. And it's just been a, a whirlwind over the past couple of years. And, and it's been uh, such a blessing. And I think it's really awesome helping, having the opportunity to talk to so many of our colleagues of all different backgrounds and demographics all throughout the country, all about this kind of stuff that, that again, we yeah. don't talk nearly enough about. Well, I love that you are uh, you're a, a glorified matchmaker, right? You uh, you help find and and connect the people who are trying to get together and making sure that it is uh, a win win all around, which is ultimately what we want. You know, Chris, I've been I've been thinking a lot about this recently, and uh, and that's and that's this itch that so many people are feeling post COVID, right? There's a, a swarm of uh, of doctors who are maybe they're thinking, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a solo practitioner. I want to bring in an associate or there's associate doctors who are 
not liking the setting, they're wanting to leave the VA or they're wanting to leave, um, you know, an academic institution or a practice and go and do something else. And what I was hoping I could talk with you a little bit about is what are what are, are people looking for when they go into, say, a private practice? Like, how do I make my practice and how do I make a job accessible that somebody will want to come in and work for me? Um, what kind of things do I need to be thinking about? And then on the other side is, you know, as I'm looking, is there a perfect job out there? Is, you know, should I maybe consider moving on to something else? Um, or is it that the grass is greener and anywhere I go, it's going to be, uh, going to be dry grass, right? That's a, a real big thing that people are thinking about these days. And you're probably dealing with people on a daily basis that are, you know, making these contemplations both on the practice side, but also on the practitioner side. Um, do you see this happening that now more than ever? I, I do. And optometry is uh, not immune to the uh, employer, employment, employee changes we've seen over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, and, and I'm going to go on a big rant here, Dave. So please interrupt yeah, any time. I mean, there, there's so much to dive into here. So, so please interrupt anytime. Um, I, I think uh, more and more associates are <clears throat> just... I think COVID and with the furloughs and and the people losing their jobs and all that, I think it's taken, it's allowed associates the opportunity to kind of just reflect and assess on their situations, kind of like a lot of uh, different employees throughout the country. And I think what more and more associates are realizing are is there's better opportunities. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of uh, really great employers offering uh, really terrific positions, not just jobs, but career dream opportunities out there. Uh, and, and not only are associates realizing this, they are exploring these options. And I think from an employer standpoint, it, it can be good and bad. And uh, this will only benefit great employers. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the employers that are frustrated, well, it, it's worth uh, having a, a modicum of self-awareness and taking a step back and realizing what is it about this opportunity or my position that is not appealing to associates. But it's only going to benefit great employers because great employers realize and understand and appreciate uh, all the things that go into making a competitive uh, career opportunity for associates, and and they are more tapped into what we are looking for in a uh, ideal position. And there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of routes we can we can take this. I, I kind of, I, I think I categorize it in, in my mind in, in two buckets. There's the tangibles, and there's the intangibles. And the tangibles for a, for a great job opportunity include uh, uh, money. I mean, it's important. We need to talk about money. We need to uh, be in a position where we are uh, able to pay off our uh, enormous student loans. So many new grads now are $250,000, $350,000 plus just in optometry student loans, which is crazy. And uh, and they need the, the uh, position that's going to allow them to be able to pay those off and still live you know, somewhat comfortably. So there's the, the salary and, and the benefits packages, and that's CE, dues, malpractice, PTO, paid holidays, uh, um, 
uh, all kinds of different uh, things we can talk about there. So the tangibles, how much money you're going to make and the entire compensation package. And, and we can talk more about that if you want. And there's different ways to structure compensation packages for associates. But Dave, I, I think what, what may be more uh, interesting, at least to me, is the intangibles. And the intangibles are, are what uh, uh, tip the scale in favor of their really great employers. And that includes uh, culture, <clears throat> having a great office work culture, uh, having a boss that uh, makes you feel valued and appreciated, not micromanaged, not belittled, um, allows you the opportunity to practice in a way that you want and take care of patients, uh, how, you, how you feel comfortable. Hopefully practicing uh, more full-scale optometry because that's what most new grads want is uh, the majority of new grads that I speak with at least don't like the idea of doing 40 refractions a day for 30 years and retiring. That's just not appealing. And I think optometry, what, what, one thing that makes this profession so great is we have the opportunity to do a bunch of things. I mean, we know we are aware of all the specialties, vision therapy, low vision. Uh, you're in the contact lens dry eye realm, which is super rewarding, can be profitable to a practice too. And new grads and, and not just new grads, but, but younger grads are looking to uh, explore all these different avenues of practice too. Uh, so I guess if that's the real yeah. gist of it, the general, there's the tangible stuff and there's the intangibles. And, and if I'm going to make one more point on this, I think what has surprised me in the hundreds of consultations I've done and in contract reviews and negotiations and speaking with employers, what has surprised me uh, uh, big time is just how important these intangibles and having a great culture and fit is for associates to the extent that many of the associates that I, uh, our colleagues that I speak with have two opportunities. This one's higher paying by $20,000. Uh, and then I said, well, why do you want me to review this offer? What about this one? This, this is a bunch more money. And they're thinking, yeah, but you know, it's not the right fit. I'm willing to take a pay cut for the right fit. And that has surprised me. I've seen over $30,000 being turned down in order to find the office with a better fit where they would feel more comfortable. That that's, speaks volumes about what yeah. uh, um, priorities a lot of the younger ODs are, are putting into place. Yeah. So, you know, Chris, I think the uh, the question that a lot of my colleagues who are in their late 40s, 50s, or 60s are asking young grads when we're, we're getting out is, uh, how in the world do you think that I can afford to pay you this salary? Um, and what I oftentimes seeing happens is they think, well, you know, I could stop working for a day and give you a day. And then, and then when you get busy enough to do two days, then you can do two days. But I think there needs to be obviously a sacrifice that I'm taking. And, and, and that's the thing that both, both newer grads need to understand, but also uh, docs that are, that are uh, bringing an associate need to understand is there's going to be a pay cut in order for somebody else to make more money. There's going to be a point where that oftentimes happens, especially when it's a new first time associate. What what do you think? Um, and and maybe maybe you have seen this, or maybe you don't. That a new grad's billing should be in their in their first year coming into as an associate. Like what what should I expect to bill out in order to make a reasonable salary? 
that you just told me I need to probably pay them, which is probably more than what I made when I first graduated, right? Um, but they need to make a lot of money in order for me to pay them this amount of money. What kind of things should be expected for me to be like, you know, I generate a million dollars in my practice by working hard every single day. What chunk of that should I expect to give over to this person who's going to come in and, and take over as an associate in my practice? Yeah. Wow. Uh, um, we, we could talk for, for hours on that. So I, I know. think part of it, uh, <laughs> part of it is I, I think a lot of new grads and students, we don't know. We don't know because we're not taught this stuff in school. And if those yeah. that do know a little bit, and it's because they make made the effort to speak to their um, preceptors who have private practices, because they're the ones that are going to know more about this stuff. So we don't know about the billing. We don't know about the coding. And, and I think a lot of, of uh, the contract reviews are not bad employer. Uh, you deserve way more money. Ask for $200,000 in base salary. It's not all of that. Uh, a lot of it is just educating and putting into perspective what all of the contractual stuff means. So uh, if, if an associate wants $150,000, well, where's that money going to come from, as you alluded to? And part of that gets back to how an associate gets paid. And, and just briefly, one is the base salary. And I don't see that a ton, Dave, because you're an employer. What incentive does an associate have to work harder if you pay him a base salary? None. There's no financial incentive. Most associates want to make more. and Most employers want their associates to be uh, incentivized in that fashion. Uh, uh, another one is a base salary plus a bonus structure. And then there's a number of different ways that can be structured. Well, a common way is uh, a percentage of production. And I think this is going to answer your question. Typically, what I see in pro uh, optometry practice settings, not corporate sublease, not ophthalmology, strictly uh, optometry practices. Across the country, I usually see 15 to 17%. Associates should get paid 15 to 17% of what they produce. So big round numbers makes it easy. A million dollars, that associate's probably getting $150,000, $170,000. Okay. So that gives you an idea of what their uh, revenue generated should be in order to afford that kind of salary. Now, a couple uh, uh, factors that play into that is there's not a single new grad or a single new associate joining a practice that's going to crush it in production their first year. That's really hard to do. And, and almost all of them are going to produce way higher year two and year three as they start to develop their own practice within a practice kind of thing. They become more efficient at the billing and coding, uh, have a better feel for the technology and what equipment and the optical and handoff and all that kind of stuff. Um, so. It, it's most employers realize they're going to take a little bit or, or maybe they don't, they're going to take a little bit more of a hit that first year. And that's uh, uh, an investment and you're investing in that associate, hopefully helping to provide some mentorship and training and education, how they can become more efficient and, and produce those higher level of revenues, which is good for the practice, good for patient care and good for, uh, for their uh, bank accounts as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, that you bring up a really good point and thinking along percentages is a real key. And, you know, what I, what I oftentimes think is that, um, you know, a lot of us think, well, I make 17 or 20% revenue from, from my practice. And so, 
you know, if I make a million dollars, maybe I take home 200,000 or something like that, you know, uh, owner doctors might think like that. And so for them to be like, you know, I'm going to give 20% to an associate right off the bat, that, that might be a little bit tough, but mm-hmm. on the flip side, it's going to be really hard if I'm generating a million dollars to bring in an associate and get them to generate a million dollars so that they can get 15%. That's like really hard if that's a a number that is in their mind. So I oftentimes kind of like to think that in the first year or two, that that total percentage is probably going to be for me as the owner, for me thinking about this associate coming in is probably going to be more around 25% of what they generate is going to go to them Hopefully that's at 20% and then maybe it's down around 17% as they're growing and I'm trying to incentivize them as they grow, as that percentage comes down, but not offering them right up front. Hey, you're going to get 25%, right? So you structure it in your own mind to think about that. And then it's also, you have to give up clinic time. So that if you're if you're never going to grow beyond a million dollars, which is you bring an associate, you're going to grow beyond a million dollars. Um, that you're giving up some of your own clinic time so that, that that associate doctor comes in. And then maybe in a year or two, you're both back seeing patients three, four, five days a week. Um, and it works out really well. And another intangible that a lot of people are interested in that are newer grads is, is maybe four days a week, right? They may be interested, particularly if their salary is high enough that it gets them to the point where they're paying off their loans, but yet they're having a little bit of a quality of life, particularly if they have a family or those are things that are important to them. And I think that's, you bring up a really good point of those tangibles, but intangibles uh, that that need to be brought into scale. But oftentimes, and this was the, the question that I was coming up is, how do I know that I'm not a great employer, right? You're saying that all of this stuff is going to benefit great employers, but I think I'm a great employer. So what are some things that I might be able to self-reflect on as an employer and be able to do to improve myself to become that good employer that people, great employer that people want to do? How can I prepare myself for six months from now when I want to hire an associate? What can I do now in my practice to make myself more appealing? Uh, That's a, a really great question. And and I think maybe a little difficult to answer because I think a lot of the people that need to hear that don't realize that they need to hear it. Or, or, or at least they don't realize it. Really <laughs> huh? Hopefully they're all listening right now and they're, they're going to take away that feedback, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I think part of it is you, uh, an employer or anyone that wants to grow or improve or become a better leader has to be in the appropriate mindset. You have to have, uh, you have to be ready for that. And, and, uh, and you can do that by uh, reading a ton of books. I mean, there are several consultants speaking with, uh, with others in our industry, hopefully not your friends, because they're just going to support or, or agree to whatever you think. But I think there's some red flags. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, there, I mean, there's offices that have uh, massive associate turnover. Yeah, that's not an associate problem. That's an employer problem. And if you can't realize that, you're you're just not aware of that yet. Um, and I'm a big proponent. There's a book called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. He's ex-military, and essentially he says that uh, you should take uh, accountability for pretty much everything. Everything's your fault. And once you 
learn to accept that it's easier to make decisions. So I think employers that have that kind of mentality can take a step back and say, you know what, maybe it's not a problem with every single person uh, around me. Maybe it's, maybe it's me. And, uh, and I think part of being a good leader and, and prepping an office for an associate, at least uh, for a position that an associate would want, it gets back to those intangibles and, and having a good office culture and work culture. Do the, do the staff like to, to be there? Are they treated well? Do they get along? Uh, is it all gossipy? Uh, is that employer willing to go above and beyond to educate and help that new associate instead of hiring them and taking off vacation, leave, you know, leaving them to the wolves, uh, mentor them. And so many of the associates and the younger docs that I speak with crave mentorship. Uh, and I think that's w- one of the things that's so awesome about what you and Mele are doing and have done for uh, our young ODs and students in particular is offering an opportunity to learn from the best and and uh, and offering that kind of mentorship because we want it, Dave. I mean, we we want to get better. We're hungry. We want to learn, and and we can use the help because we don't get enough of the real world optometry stuff during uh, our educational. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. learning optometry school and, and we just don't. So I think uh, uh, providing that opportunity and not mentorship every every now and then, you know, whenever I can get to it, because if it's not scheduled, it's not going to happen, at least not consistently no. and not in a way that is uh, efficacious, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you bring up some really good points around mentorship. And, you know, I think if you are in a clinic and you're wanting to bring in an associate, you think in the next uh, couple of years, you'd like to scale back and realizing that um, that we're, we're beyond the point of where you started, where you didn't make any money when you first started seeing patients and then you worked into it. It's just that coming in as an associate these days, that's not the world we live in where you're going to be making a little, 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 and you're going to work your way up. It just, it, there's just this expectation that um, we're going to be able to come in and we're going to be able to see patients three days a week or more. One of the things that I think I learned early on is if you hired somebody for two days a week, then they're very likely to leave because they'll find something that's three or four days a week somewhere else and then they go. And so if you're wanting to hold on to that person, starting with at least three days a week, if not four, and working from there, I think uh, if you're a practice you know, to, to, to Chris's point, if you're a practice that just does mostly eye exams and you don't, you know, do any of the glaucoma or the dry eye, then um, being open to making an investment into technology so that when that key associate comes in who says, hey, I, I want to manage glaucoma and this is what I think we need, then you're willing to make that investment into the technology and work with the new grad or the new associate to show you the return on an investment, well, it's going to take us 120 patients to be able to, you know, get a return on investment of this visual field or this, so that you're teaching them and you're mentoring them on the business side of things. I think that is a a real key component, not just mentoring clinically. I think you bring this point of mentoring. It's also mentoring them in the business and running the practice, because the more they know about the business, 
the more they'll understand about their finances, right? A friend of mine um, had an associate who was going on maternity leave and, you know, they had to talk about what this is going to do to impact the practice, you know, and how do we support you while you're on maternity leave and working through that. And you bring up some great points about mentorship being an intangible that so many people are looking for. Um, and the paid time off, right? I think that's a really good one as well. Uh, how do you work that in, not just for CE, but for other paid time off as well? And uh, I think you you bring up some some great components of that. You're dealing with this on an everyday basis. Anything in closing that you think we should uh, we should touch on or that we haven't hit on yet? Oh. Uh, I mean, they're just the, the the entire career and transition and associate stuff and, and employers and all this stuff. It's just so fascinating. And there's just not enough time uh, to, to go over it all. I'll hammer the points home that uh, competitors need to be uh, offers need to be competitive. And employers mm-hmm. are doing uh, there's never been a more competitive time to hire an associate. I'm seeing corporate offer 30 40,000 signing bonuses. I'm I'm seeing PE practices offer 20 30,000 signing bonuses. Um and and there's more of the uh, intangible stuff that uh, that newer grads are looking for that is really appealing like the 4-day work week. Like you said, sometimes 3 days work week. And let's say if you're paid on production, you can make a 5-day a week income on 4 days a week if you're totally crushing it. And that's appealing to a lot of docs. I think the part-time thing is much harder to accomplish in a rural area. It's more uh, easily done in a city where there are other opportunities. Uh, And really getting back to the point of creating an environment where an associate's uh, not going to want to join and then leave. I don't have to tell you or any employer listening how expensive staff turnover is much less associate turnover is extremely mm-hmm. expensive. So I think making that upfront investment, uh, knowing what that's going to mean for the employer finances, for the practice finances, and realizing that it's not a cost, it's not an expense, it's an investment in that growth of that associate of that practice and, and maintaining that good relationship, great culture, mentorship, teaching them about the business stuff that we want to learn about so much. Uh, and we don't get enough of all that stuff. It's just so so important. And in my opinion, more important than just how much money a new associate is going to make. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are some really good points. And, uh, you know, really this, this is an important thing for us to be thinking about. And, uh, as, as we want to grow our practices, we can only do it so much on our own. And I think, um, I think the the great reset that is kind of happening is resetting in our own minds as owner doctors or, you know, as, as runners of bigger practices that, you know, we need to take a step back ourselves a little bit and analyze we can't be, you know, working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And there's certainly opportunity for people who are hungry to come in and, and help. And there's great ways that we can prepare our practice for, uh, for additional doctors. Chris? Uh, I love what you do. I'm so grateful that you're there to uh, help doctors who are looking at that transition. And, and you know, I think that uh, how how would people contact you if they're looking to prepare an offer for somebody or they want to make sure that they're competitive when it comes out to the world? How how can people reach out to you and find out more about you? Yeah, sure. Dave, we can probably put my contact information in the show notes, but uh, but the uh, ODs on finance consulting email is careerconsulting 
at odysonfinance.com. And I'm, I don't do a lot of the social media, but I'm pretty active on the Odys on Finance Facebook page. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm pretty active there. So I'd be happy, happy to chat with anybody about any of this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, and there's always more that we can learn and do better. And um, you know, I've sure appreciated what you guys are doing. And thank you for joining us for this episode, Chris. It was great to have you. It's my privilege to be here. Thanks again for the invite. Have a good one. And thank you for joining us for this episode. Make sure to like and subscribe. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Optometric Insights Show. Mm-hmm.